0: Today is our last day in our series called Get Used to Different. And what we've been looking at over the last several weeks uh, is really our core values and how we're different. How God wants us to be different. And really we've taken our core values straight out of God's Word. And what we've seen is we have more joy than guilt. How yes, we talk about guilt, we talk about sin, because the Bible talks about sin. But we have the joy of Jesus. The joy of knowing that through Jesus, our sins are forgiven. We've looked at how we take God's truth seriously. We've seen how in, in chapter 2 of First Thessalonians, we saw that the Thessalonians received the Bible, not as human words, but as it actually is, the Word of God. We take God's truth seriously. We don't twist it, we submit to it. Last week we heard that we support each other like family. How we come to our church family and we get encouraged and we provide for what is lacking in other people's lives, both spiritually and physically. How we're encouraged and we provide. How we get provided for and we, we get encouraged. Or how we encourage others. And really all these values, what we've been talking about, really apply church-wide. And we've talked church uh, and apply to us personally. Today we get really personal with our own lives and we get personal with our church. But really, it's a personal question that we're addressing today, and that is this. Does God like you just the way you are? Or does he expect you to be different? It's a question we're going to ask today, and it's a question that uh, I really saw in a blog post from a pastor this week, a pastor wrote a blog post saying that he talked to a guy who said, Pastor, you're not going to believe it. I finally found a church that I've been looking for. I finally found the church that I've been looking for. And it's not your church. I finally found a church that doesn't expect me to change. Does God expect us to change. That's so what Paul talks about in chapter 4 today of 1 Thessalonians. If you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been walking our way through 1 Thessalonians. It's a, it was originally a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians living in, in the town called Thessalonica in 51 AD. And in chapter 4, uh, Paul talks about kind of God's expectations, what we do as Christians, and here's what we're told. We're going to start at verse 1, and we're working our way through verse 12. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Let's stop right there. Notice what does Paul say about the Thessalonians. What are they doing? They are living to please the Lord. They are living to please the Lord. Paul instructed them how to live, how to walk, how to conduct their life in order to please God. They weren't living to please themselves, but Jesus. And we've seen that over the course of the letter over the last couple of weeks. We've seen how uh, their love was known everywhere. Their love and faith was known throughout that known world. Why? because they were putting God's word into practice and loving other people. Over the top love for others. We've seen how they they clung to God's word, they clung to Jesus, despite persecution. Severe persecution, Paul said. We've seen how they've turned from idols, Paul said at the end of chapter one. Turned from idols to the living God. In a culture that was uh, littered with idols, they probably faced faced some uh, verbal persecution along with the physical persecution that they faced, and yet they lived to please God. They walked in ways that pleased Him. Think about that phrase: "How to please God," which, in fact, you are doing. It's different, isn't it? In fact, it's the first point today. Christians are different because we live to please the Lord. No matter who you are, you don't just live. You're not just going through life without pleasing someone or something. We all do. And it's pleasing that someone or something that motivates our actions, that forms our thoughts, that encourages us encourages the way we talk, that forms and shapes our actions and our motivations. For instance, for some people, it's their pleasing their boss that motivates them. They want bosses' love, approval, respect. And so what do they do? They live to please boss. That means they work long hours. That means they work overtime when, without being asked. That means that uh, when a phone call comes during dinner, they go and take that phone call instead of just having family dinner. That means that before they go to bed, they'll check their email to see if boss has emailed to take care of whatever boss needs. Why? Because they live to please boss. For others, it's friends. We live to please our friends. And so what does that mean? Well... Maybe you don't necessarily like staying up late, but your friends do, and so in order to please them, you stay up late, which means you're tired the next day for family time. But because you live to please friends, your actions are, are surrounded and motivated to please them. Maybe you don't necessarily like getting together and gossiping and indulging all this information, but your friends do, and so you live to please them, and so you partake. But then there's one that we all are motivated by, me, ourselves. We are motivated to please us. And we do it so instinctively we don't even realize it, but think about it, every decision we make, really, we don't stop and ask, but really the question is always, how do I feel about this? Do I like this? What do I want in this situation? I want to do this, so I'm going to do that, even though they want me to do this. I want to do what makes me happy. I want to do what pleases me. Paul says Christians are different. Christians live to please not myself, not my boss, not my friends. First and foremost, we live to please the Lord. And so we have to ask ourselves who are we living for? Who are you? living to please? As you consider your actions, as you consider the way you conduct your life, your priorities, as you consider the decisions that you've made, as you consider how you conduct yourself at work, who are you living to please? Can you stop and say, the Lord is pleased with how I'm living my life? Christians, live differently. We live to please the Lord. And so every time we make a decision, everything we do, we first stop and we ask, how does the Lord feel about this? And if the Lord doesn't like it, we don't do that thing. If the Lord does like it, we do it. We ask, how am I living to please the Lord. This is what Paul tells the Thessalonians. We instructed you on how to live to please the Lord. You see, the Ten Commandments do a shift, don't they? They go from condemning us to, now as Christians, instructing us on how to live to please God. We can look at those Ten Commandments and say, you know what, God says don't steal. And instead of looking at that as a bad thing, I can look at it and say, wow, wow. My God just told me how I can please Him by not stealing from other people. And as I do that, I please the Lord, and that's how I want to live, because God has made me a Christian. Christians first are different because we live to please the Lord, and this is how God wants us to be different. Is God okay with how we are? Well, if we're living to please the Lord, but if we're not and we're living to please ourselves then no, he wants us to change and live to please him. But what pleases him? It's great to know that we live to please the Lord, but what is it that pleases God? He tells us in the very next verse, it is God's will that you be sanctified. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. What does sanctified mean? It means to be set apart as holy. Set apart as holy. God wants you and me to be holy, to live holy. It's, there's, there's a, every once in a while you hear it creeping around, and it's really bad theology, uh, but it comes out of Christians' mouths. Well, doesn't God just want me to be happy? No he doesn't. <laughs> what God wants is for you to be sanctified. And if your holiness or if your happiness comes at the expense of your holiness, God doesn't want it. God, rather you be holy and happy. And if you can only have one or the other, he'd rather you be holy. He'd rather you be holy. He'd rather you be set apart as sanctified, as a holy one, and live for him. That's what he wants. He wants you to live to please him and to be holy. What's this look like? Paul gives three examples for the Thessalonian church. Here's what he says. Oh, I'm sorry, your second point. God is pleased when we live sanctified lives. I told Aislinn I was going to mess this up today when we were going through slides. I said, I'm going to mess up this order. But yes, number two, God is pleased when we live sanctified lives, when we're set apart as holy and we live holy lives. Paul gives three examples for the Thessalonian church. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lusts like pagans who do not know God. And in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God, who gives you His Holy Spirit. Number one, Paul says, avoid sexual immorality. Avoid breaking the sixth commandment. Do not commit adultery. Maintain the sexual relationships for within the confines of marriage, Paul says. This is what Paul says God's will is for our life. And in the Greek culture, in 51 AD, sexual immorality was nothing. Married, having an affair, no big deal. Sexual immorality outside of marriage, no big deal. Multiple partners, no big deal. The thought was the body was made for it, so go ahead and do it. And Paul says, no, 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 no. God has called you to appear in a pure and holy life. He has called you to keep that within marriage, that gift within marriage. Honor it. Don't live in passionate lusts like the pagans, but honor marriage. Be different. Times change, people don't. As you look around our culture today in the 21st century, Do you think our culture struggles with this? Absolutely. Nobody, very few people, care to keep it within the confines of marriage. Sexual immorality is running rampant in our country. And God says we are called to live a holy life. To live a holy life. And so what do we have to do? If our goal if we want to be different and we want to live to please God and to live a holy life, well, maybe that means that we have to put some parameters on our computer so we don't look at certain websites. Maybe it means that I have to start honoring it within the uh, confines of marriage, meaning I can't do that with my boyfriend-girlfriend anymore until we're married. Maybe it means that I need to put myself in good positions when I'm married, so that I'm not tempted to do things I shouldn't. We put parameters on us. And if you're sitting here and you're, you're not a Christian, or if you're watching online and you're questioning, should I become a Christian or not? Should I be Christian? I don't know. And you're thinking, this is crazy. This is crazy. Who would live like this? Well, there's actually benefit to it without even being a Christian. Look at verse 6. And in this matter, no one should uh, wrong or take advantage of, of a brother or sister. Isn't that a huge deal in our culture too? Sexual immorality is running rampant. And what do we hear all the time? People are taken advantage of. Why does that happen? Because people are living to please myself and not living to please God. If we first lived to please God, we would want to live a holy life which then would respect and honor and love One another. This is what Paul says. Second thing, second way. Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other, and in fact, you do love all of God's people throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do this more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Stop right there. Paul says, love one another. Love, love, love. And that's what the Thessalonians did. They loved not just with warm fuzzy feelings. They loved not just with words, they loved with actions. And their love was so apparent that it was spread throughout the known world that these people loved. This is what God's will is for our life. We want to live a holy life that pleases God. Love one another. Love. Put love into action. And then finally, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. The last one, live quiet lives minding your own business. What does Paul mean? In the Thessalonian culture, The women stayed at home. They did the majority of the work. And what did the Greeks do? The Greek men? They went to the marketplace where all they did was gossip and talk about the latest teachings and philosophies. All they did was go and gossip with one another. Paul says stay at home, work, mind your own business. Don't get caught up in the drama, don't get caught up in the gossip. Mind your own business. Don't go and talk about others. Instead, keep the eighth commandment. Keep someone's reputation intact. This pleases God and this is living a holy life. It's putting God's word into practice. And as we live this out, as we live to please God, as we live the the holy life that God has called us to live, what are we like? We are striving to be like Jesus. And that's what we want at the Vine Savior Church. We want people who are striving to be like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? How is this like Jesus? Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 8. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. What did Jesus do his entire life He always pleased God the Father. Every decision that Jesus made was this How does God feel about this? I'm going to do that. Even when it was uncomfortable. Even when he wanted something else. Even when it meant that he would die. I always do what pleases him, Jesus says. And where do we see that so clearly? The Garden of Gethsemane. There, Jesus prayed, Father, if there's any other will to save mankind, take this cup from me. Don't let me go through this. And God said, It's my will to save the people. And Jesus said, Okay, I'm here to please you. Jesus always did what pleases the Father in everything He did. Why? He's God. Did He do it just for an example for us? Partially. But more so, He did it to be your substitute. He did it because what pleased the Father. That you be sanctified, that you be holy. You see, Jesus lived a holy life. Jesus lived to always please the Father because it pleased God to make you holy. And there's nothing that you could ever do to accomplish that on your own. God wanted you to be holy, and yet, no matter how much you strive to be like Jesus, you never could be like Jesus because we're sinful. God wants us to be holy, and yet no matter how many accomplishments you have in your life, you'll never achieve holiness, and yet it pleased God for you to be holy, and so how did he take care of it? He sent Jesus, his one and only son, to always please the Father. And Jesus even pleased the Father to going to the cross and shedding his blood. And when he did, he changed you. Does God want you to be different? Absolutely. And God made you different. Here's what we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And Paul lists all these sins. Then he says, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What does this mean? Those are big words. Here's what it means. We were washed. At our baptism, God washed our sins away, the Bible says. Our sins are washed away so that we stand before God, connected to Jesus, shed blood, so that we are sanctified. We have been made holy. And because we've been washed, because we're holy, God now looks at you and says, you are justified. You are declared innocent before God. That is something that you couldn't achieve, I couldn't achieve, but Jesus achieved it for us because he always lived to please God. He washed you clean. He declared, or he, he made you holy, and now God says you are innocent, and Jesus did it because he pleased God. And so here's your last point today. Jesus lived to please God to make us holy, and that is what we are. It's God's will. It pleases God that we are holy, and he did it for us. Here's the incredible thing. Jesus took your status and changed it. We were sinners, selfish, living for ourselves, doomed to hell. And Jesus, through his shed blood on the cross, changed us to being selfless, to being holy in God's sight, and now on the way to heaven to spend eternity with God forever. Jesus changed us to being holy. It is this. That makes us want to carry out the calling, the status that God has brought to us through Jesus. Now we look and we say, God, thank you. Thank you for changing my status. Thank you for changing me from a sinner to a holy one. I want to live to carry out that status that you brought me. I want to live to please you for the forgiveness you brought to me. For the sainthood you brought to me for eternity that you brought to me. I want to live to please you out of thanks for the forgiveness of sins and the declaration of innocence through your son Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And this is what motivates us to please God. Now we look and we say, "God, does this please you or not?" And if not, I joyfully say, "Okay, I'm going to do this instead, even if it's an inconvenience to me, because my God is so great." He is so merciful. He has declared me innocent through his son Jesus. He has changed me and now I want to strive to be like Jesus, pleasing God every day. We're going to fail. We're going to have times when we stumble. We're going to fall and that's when we go back to our Savior who washes us, who sanctifies us, who reminds us that we are justified before our God. We are declared innocent. And as we are reminded of that forgiveness, we get up to go and please God once again. Until that day when we are in the presence of God forever, when we are fully and eternally sanctified, where sin is removed and we will be like Jesus forever. May God bless us as we live out this calling of sanctified, as we are reminded of the forgiveness of sins and we live to please our God every day. And as we are reminded of the forgiveness, that we are washed sanctified, justified, our lives will change now and forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for changing us. You desired us, you desired for us to be different, you desired for us to change, and you changed us for ourselves. You did it for us by sending Jesus, your only son, who lived to please you all the time, He went to the cross where he shed his blood so that we stand before you declared innocent. We've been washed, we've been sanctified, and now we've been justified before your judgment throne so that we live in innocence every single day. Help us to live in this innocence. Help us to live to please you. Help us to live to ask, how does God feel about this? And then live accordingly. Uh, Let us live that sanctified life now and forever. When we fail, Lord, and we fall, Uh, remind us once again that our sins are forgiven. Pick us up, wash us, renew us, and remind us of the forgiveness that Jesus won for us, and then send us back on our way to go out and please you. As this is a constant thing, uh, let us always come back to that word of forgiveness, that word that we've been washed and sanctified now and forever, and that we've been justified. Be with us today. Help us to live differently as we close up this series. Uh, Be with our church Help us to uh, have more joy than guilt. Uh, Let us support each other like family. Let us continue to uh, take your truth seriously. And now let us strive to be more like Jesus now and forever. In your name we pray. Amen.